What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita. Today we have a very fun episode planned. Uh, maybe not too much sports today, although maybe a little bit. We'll see. Maybe a little bit sports here. But today is uh, something we're going to be talking with a former Survivor contestant, someone who I've wanted to have on this show for a little while now, someone who's actually become a great friend of mine. Uh, we got to chance to meet up a couple months ago when she had a little layover in Phoenix, Arizona, and is actually someone who really has not done at least to my knowledge, a whole lot of podcasts, a lot of interviews, at least since way back in the day when she first competed on Survivor Guatemala. Um, So we're really glad to have her here. She's now practicing law. She's a mother. And it's been, gosh, that was 18 years when you played Survivor. Uh, Her name is, she was formerly known as Brooke Struck, now Brooke Stevens. Brooke, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for having me, Jack. Brooke, today we've got a lot that we're going to discuss. We're going to talk about your time on Survivor. I'm certain we'll talk about some faith, maybe some sports, as I mentioned. However, today we're actually going to get started doing something a little different. I actually, mm-hmm. uh, I have a friend who's actually a huge fan of yours, and she's going to come on here. She wants to ask you maybe a question or two, so I'm going to bring her in. Oh, awesome. Oh. Hi! Hi. <laughs> Long time no ski, stranger. Hi. Brooke knows that <laughs> I am a big fan of hers. And I, I wish that we did not live so far away because you guys, she is amazing. We would have killed it together on Survivor had we not gotten separated. I know the tribal shuffle did us in. You were my you were my favorite. And so, but once I was out, you were my pick to win and you did it. So I was so happy when it was finally you. We all all of us pre-jury, we were so excited that it was you. So oh, thank you. Um, okay, yeah. seriously, Jack, look at her. Does she not look amazing? You don't look any different. And she's a lawyer and a mother and a wife. You think you know that would age you a little bit, Brooke. Good grief. Oh fantastic. Oh, you're so sweet. You too, Danny. You never age. Well, I, I actually showered and put makeup on, so that kind of helped today because I'm heading to um, host an event downtown. And I was speaking earlier today, you guys, I was speaking to a group that was 70 plus. It was this group, a legacy group. They were darling. I'm not sure they heard a word of what I said, but it was really Oh, that's sweet. So, yeah, I told Jack, I got to try to make this work. I want to get on there and say hi. Yeah. (laughs) How's everything going? Good, good. I mean, you know, the kids shuffle sports and school events and all that. So it's like a wonderful time of life but also one where you never get a stop like i don't know about you but like my only me time is once everybody goes to bed (laughs) and i finally then i'm like yay i can actually think and do something for myself for a little bit so and you know what today so my husband had to take uh my oldest to iowa for baseball and i uh have to you know work today and my youngest was at a friend's house so i came home from speaking today nobody was there and I was like, yes, I'm the music, I'm dancing around, having a good old time. <laughs> yep, I know, those are sweet moments. And But it's also one too, it's funny, because now how old's your oldest? 15. 15, okay, yeah, my oldest is 13. And it's one of those things, my mom always told me, she goes, from birth to age five, seems like an eternity she goes the days are you know long you've got right. these babies waking up at night and it's yes. you know there's just a lot and then she goes 
from five to graduation is like the blink of an eye, you know, and it's so true. I'm like, I look at like Facebook memories keep telling me how little my kids used to be. And now I realize I'm like, oh my gosh, they've changed so much. I was was telling Jack this, that every time graduation comes around, I start crying because I'm like, oh my gosh, these people are losing their babies. They're going off to school. And I'm so close to that point now. So it really, and I have encouraged my oldest. In fact, he would love one of the schools that he would, you know, is interested in would be to play at Pepperdine. Okay. He's very smart, very good little baseball player. So I thought that was kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, go there. It's beautiful. Oh, it's the best. um, I'm friends with the president. So if he's interested in checking it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he, um, he, he was saying to me how, you know, he wants to go away for school. Okay. He wants to experience Uh life outside of gorgeous Kansas. Okay. Um, I don't understand why he wouldn't want to leave here. Um, yeah. No, I love Kansas, y'all, but aesthetically not very pretty. Anyway, <laughs> he wants to go somewhere, experience the world. I'm like, yes, go go do that. Then when we were driving to a graduation party the other day, I just freaked out. And I go, you can't leave me. You can't leave me with these two, my husband and the other one, because they don't talk. I'm like, who's going to talk to me? <laughs> yes, I know. Oh, it's so hard. But that's yeah. great. He's so good at baseball. Well, I mean... He's no phenom, but he, he does pretty good. <laughs> probably get to play at the next level, but you never know. We'll see what happens in the next couple of years. <laughs> yes. So. Wait, so do either of them play basketball? Go, like, but. Do either of them play basketball like you? Yes, they do. Yep, both of them do, but they're terrible. I'm <laughs> no, yeah. really bad at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and football? Do you guys, do you guys let him do football? Uh, oh. I have tried to discourage it, okay? But the youngest, the oldest one, no interest, but the youngest one does play football, but I, and that's his favorite sport, and I'm just not a fan. I like to watch it. I think Jack, we've talked about that. I just don't want my kids to play. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm the, I'm the same way. I'm, yeah, so my, um, my two oldest, so Harper and, um, Actually, my oldest and youngest do uh, basketball. Yes, you've met Danny's actually babysat Harper when she really? was only yep. about. Um, she was. I can't believe gosh, it. I don't think even six months old. It was at the ten-year reunion for Survivor that they had at CBS yep. Studios, and uh, Danny and Casey were so awesome. They had decided they were just going to stay in for the first night that we got there, and there was a bunch of people um, going out. And we had Harper with us because she was so young. Um, and Danny's like, we're staying in our hotel. We'll, we'll take Harper, too. So she had Harper for a couple hours. So. Yeah. Yeah. She's a darling. I can't believe she's a grown-up now. <laughs> she, she's taller than me now. Because that's the thing. Oh, my, wow. my, well, since my husband's six foot eight, right. I'm five yep. nine. But each of yeah. my kids are going to pass me up. So we decided when each kid finally gets taller than me, we'll have a little party. So Harper's already had her party. Kenley's <laughs> well on her way. So I remember him being tall, really tall. I didn't know six, eight. Six, eight. So yeah, are they, he powers. Are they slaying it on the basketball court or what? They, they do pretty well. Yeah, Harper. It's funny because Harper's middle school for two grades is a thousand students. And so wow. you have like, you have a hundred people trying out for middle school basketball team, which is crazy. And so she made the basketball team and they came in, I think second in their district and they did really great. So she's, she's having fun doing it. And then my youngest Everett really loves um, basketball too, but his new obsession is football. And so, yeah. 
know. I'm like, no, Everett, you can't do that. And to that point, he actually, I got a call a month ago from the school that he'd had an accident, covered in blood. I needed to come hurry and get him and take him to the doctor. He knocked out his front permanent tooth playing football at school. So <laughs> just there you go. And that's nope. when I was like, no confirmation ball. that he should not be playing this <laughs> yeah. sport. But I also am, this is the thing, I mean, Danny knows this, with your kids, you know, we feel like we know what's best for them, but they have a different plan and God yeah. sometimes has a different plan. And so oh, you yeah. kind of have to realize to like, let go on certain things and let them make their choices, even though it's hard, so. Yeah, oh, it, it's so true though, so true. Yeah. Are yeah. either one of yours as brilliant as you are? No. <laughs> Come on, Brad. Tell us. Oh top my of gosh. The class, I'm sure. Thanks. Jack, yeah, class. no, they've they've all been doing really great. Harper got it was her first year of middle school this year, and so she got yeah quite a few academic awards and stuff, and so they they all do amazingly well. So and I'm. It's great because I don't ever want to push my kids or put a lot of stress on them. You know, it's stuff that they, it's just natural that they like that. And so it's really great. It's fun. And they're also starting, like, I'm a game person. I mean, obviously love to do like games and things like that. And so I love that now when they play me, they can beat me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like Settlers of Catan. Is that game you guys play? I, um, my husband is absolutely opposed to playing that. He goes, if it takes you 20 minutes to explain the instructions, you've already lost me. But I, I love that game. Love it. So I'm a, I'm a big settlers guy. There's a baseball writer, Jesse Friedman. I'm going to have him on this show at some point, probably maybe next week. Actually, he and I play, we met at spring training. We play settlers of Catan online with each other and we talk on the phone. It's like really late at night. I didn't even know that was possible to do it like online. So yeah. <laughs> so funny. So. Oh, and your, Brooke's husband is surrounded by all these geniuses. Not that he's any <laughs> dummy. Okay, but, I mean, can you imagine? No. Oh, God. Uh, it's cute. We do with um, our <clears throat> some of our friends from church. They'll have like there's a um, like pub trivia. I don't know if you guys have ever done that where they do like trivia nights. At, yep. Anyway, so we go with some friends and actually – uh, KJ's impressive. He usually gets more answers right than I do, especially when they do like song clips and name the artists and okay. all that. Oh yeah, of course he does fine with that. If it's like yeah. 2000s <laughs> trivia, like that's my area of expertise, like oh, yeah. 2000s pop culture. But like my my siblings make fun of me because I don't know what the new like hit songs are because I'm the oldest. I'm just oh, like stuck in I when I grew get up. Those. those ones I get. So <laughs> my boys were doing this. I don't remember what trivia type thing was with like baseball right all this baseball trivia and oh, they were yeah. shocked at the things i knew from the past and i'm like well yeah because i loved it and i didn't have you guys so i had plenty of time to know what was going on and jack some show you the two of us we need to compete yes okay we'll have we'll, we'll compete i'll have a i've done sports jeopardy on this show before yeah. i actually danny i auditioned for sports jeopardy in 2016 okay well he's gonna kill me bro but <laughs> I, oh, no, I was gonna say <laughs> my money's on you danny I'm danny like, i like the amount of information you can retain about sports is so important. well anything so, like, again anything before the 2000s she'll she'll smoke me like yeah. she's naming all these 80s baseball players that i never got to watch <laughs> Yes, I hope it's so Danny, Danny, did you ever yeah. audition for Stump the Schwab? No, I loved that though. No, so good. All right, I got a question for you guys while I got you both here. A survivor okay. question. 
Okay, we'll let Brooke go first because it's her first time on the show. What was the power structure on the original Nakum tribe, and how would things have played out had there not been a tribe swap? So, um, so my view of it, because we all know, like when you're playing the game, you have your view of it, and then you find out that there was a lot more going on. Than that's you why. Know. That's why I have Danny here to confirm this. Yes. <laughs> so how I felt is that that Danny. Bobby, Brandon, and I had really aligned. And I think we just kind of were more similar personality types and um, and strategy-wise and stuff. And so, I mean, I feel like they did the tribal swap so early in the game that it was one where we didn't even get that far on really like firming up an alliance and things. But I think more Cindy, Margaret, Judd, they were more on the outs. And so I think it would have ended up the four of us. I think a, a little more than I knew behind the scenes is I think Danny was working it a little more than than I was at first. I, I just went in, I don't think I realized how hard you needed to play from the get-go, um, but that was kind of how it was in our tribe. And then um, I, you know, I would like to think I would have won, but, um, Danny's tough competition so <laughs> I think it would have been one of us <laughs> yeah and she nailed it exactly I think the um, uh, we were both talking with Margaret and we're close with Margaret but the mm -hmm. core alliance that was forming was just exactly how you mentioned it Brooke um, Brooke and I were really close from the beginning where we even said we have to be careful about the time we're spending together because we would walk down and get water together and just chit chat and we're like we're gonna have to be careful about this but Brandon, at, I, and I've told everyone this, you know, Jack, I, I would have taken him to the end and knowing that he would beat me just because and I, Brooke felt the same way about Brandon. He was just the nicest kid and he just wanted to get out of Kansas and like see the world. And I know Brooke and I had already accomplished a lot of stuff and we were just really hoping to see, um, you know, Brandon be successful. And he did have a great time on the show, but I really would have loved to see him win. That would have been awesome in fact i cried when he was voted out as you all know so. oh yeah no he was so sweet and what was really fun that you didn't get a see danny is he had never been in the ocean before and so That's when we so went to, when we went to costa rica to get to see him like it's the ocean and going it was so amazing and so i mean that and brandon also had that like witty you know sense yes. of humor and stuff too where he just deadpan and will make a comment and you're like oh man that's hilarious so I mean, you would never yeah. would have expected it from him and he was yeah. so funny yeah. brandon was kind of like tyson before tyson yeah except yeah. for except for tyson has that edge of the air being a real jerk because i told him <laughs> yes, like, say that part I, they're not alike yeah I wanted to see you bought like I, I even put his name down there asking us before all winners like who would you want to see out right away who do you and I was like Tyson oh he just <laughs> arrogant jerk and and I told him that in the game I was like this is what I thought this is what I said about you I'm just telling you because he's like oh I love that I love when people hate me and um, I said and you're not like that at all and I really liked Tyson but Brandon just did not have that cocky edge to him he really and truly was just a, a sweetheart so yeah you just had a really good heart and stuff too and so yep. and i remember margaret on our team i really connected with margaret too yep. i think alliance wise it was kind of the usual thing where the i feel like the men on the team were put off a little bit that margaret was kind of like yes. this is what we're gonna do this is yeah. you know 
She yeah, just, and she wasn't, I didn't find her overbearing, but I think the men did a little bit, you know, and then Brandon was out sick from the get go. Um, and I feel like Judd was kind of the odd man out on our team as far as like, being yeah. from the East Coast, he just was very different than the rest of you know, our team, team yep. dynamic. Yeah, and Cindy was really sweet. She just, yeah, it, I wife. think it just, yeah, she was just a little more, I think, emotionally not connecting as deep as some yep. of the rest of us were early on. Yeah. So. so there's one person you guys didn't mention from your original tribe is Blake. So where did Blake fit into all of this? Well, I- and I'm sorry, I said Brand. No, that was Blake. I said Brandon was. That's sick what I was going to tell you. Mm, yes, yeah. I, I meant to say Blake was. Yeah, Brandon was strong the whole time. He was. Yes, Blake was the one who, from the jungle hike, was you know got hit over sick. the shoulder. He always rallied for the challenges, yes. but <laughs> yeah. then was back would be back lying on his back at the camp after the challenges and stuff. So he wasn't in good shape from the get go, which was hard for me when I got voted out before him. I was like. Oh, come on. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, but he wasn't on, I, he wasn't on my team when we got but when I got voted off. And just Brooke and Brandon and myself, we all just really, really connected. Like she said, there was just a really good bond between the three of us. And Bobby John had such a great heart, too. He was wonderful, but the three of us were really, really hitting it off. And then everything got turned upside down. Okay, so yeah. taking what you said... We've got you guys like avoid the first couple tribals, which actually kind of hurt you guys because then Judd is suddenly a number against Brooke at the tribe swap. Um, so let's say theoretically things just played out with that current Nakum tribe up to the merge. So it sounds like Judd and, and uh, Blake would be the first two out. And then if you lost another one, maybe Cindy would be the expendable person. Is that what I'm hearing? Probably, to me, I think Cindy would have been before Blake, probably. Um, I think yeah. because the, our, the, some of the guys that we were tight with did like Blake and kind of hit it off with him. So I think that that would have been a little different, but pretty pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I think Judd would have gone first and then, yeah, probably Cindy before Blake. And then last, you know, Mar- Margaret, unless the guys continued to be yeah. kind of uh, put yeah. off by some of the things. Yeah. So then yeah, you get to the merge. Just reminded me of a mom, but the guys had a hard time with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was, and she was really great at like trying to step in and help Blake and things when he was sick. And so, yeah, she was just being a mom. And it's funny because I feel like now, Danny, you and I were like, oh, I think we're almost at Margaret's age, probably when she was playing it. <laughs> I think, I, I think <laughs> I'm older, case. y'all. I think I'm older. But. I know. And it's funny because I, yeah, that's a hard thing to wrap my mind around. Yeah, I think I think Lydia is the age that Brooke is, or when she played. She's like Brooke's age, like Brooke's age now is how old Lydia was when she played. But you, as you mentioned, Danny, both you guys look so young. I had, I posted a picture with Brooke, and my friends were like, "Who's this cute girl you're hanging out with?" Yeah, she's changed. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Goodness. <laughs> I, I, you hey, guys listen, are so I sweet. I may look Thank okay you. for my age, take care of myself, but like she looks yeah. like she's 18. That's no. ridiculous. My friends thought she was like 32. That's yeah. what they thought. Oh, I'll, I'll take that any day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yeah. you guys. I love hearing this because this is a week where I've hardly had any sleep and feel exhausted. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't you love that when somebody gives you a compliment like that? And you're like, oh my gosh, I've just been breaking up fights. I've been working my tail off, <laughs> running everywhere. 
Yes. Oh. I don't look like a tired old hag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so then – oh, sorry. Go ahead, bro. No, no, no. I was just going to say my favorite thing one time. I had someone come in for a consultation, and at this point I'd been an attorney for like 10 years and, you know, answered all her questions. At the end of it, she goes, you know, you are so smart. You sound great, but she goes – you're just, I just feel like you're too young. I need, I need someone that's, you know, been around the block more and things like that. And I was laughing because she was my age and I've been doing this for a decade, but I was like, I will take that. I'm like, that's yeah. a great compliment. Don't hire me. I'm so young. <laughs> oh my okay. So going back to, uh, the Nakum stuff, I'm curious, like, was there, obviously everyone, it seems like everyone plays survivor. They always think they're the one that's pulling the strings is in control. Was there someone that was kind of like at the top, like who were the big decision makers in that alliance? And was it you two? Well, we didn't really have <laughs> chance. Yeah. For that. I can't even remember Brooke. Like did, what were our discussions there? The first, I know Jim was like the easy out cause he was injured. Yeah. Um, but then I, we, who else did, Oh gosh, there's a bad accident up here. Ike's. <laughs> Oh, no. By the way, you're really good at multitasking driving. Oh, listen, right? <laughs> so. oh my gosh. Look at that. Looks like oh. everybody's okay, but it, it's rush hour in Kansas City. We actually do have people that live here, and we do not drive in covered wagons. So, no. as everybody likes to think. Um, so, it's a little busy. So, I, sorry if I have to pay attention to that. Oh, no. Um, you're all good. I think, Brooke, we were, weren't we? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we had kind of this interesting tribe dynamic where we're like, we are all just going to be friends until we get further on until we need to kind of decide who's with who. Um, and, you know, Jim, that's like Danny said, you know, when you have your first vote out, I feel like that's more when lines get drawn strategically, but because Jim was injured, it was just, you know, Jim has to be voted out. He needs to get his arm checked out. So then we really didn't have to define, you know, alliances. Everybody just unanimously voted for Jim. Um, and so I would say probably Danny and I, because I feel like, I feel like Bobby John was a little along for the ride. Yeah, whatever that's what I've that's what I've heard about Bobby John is he's just kind of yeah, like, yeah. all right, I'm yeah. I'm cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. so Brandon was in it, but he was mm -hmm. kind of kind of what's up with you girls like what are you what do you think so i really felt like yeah we were. Well, and he was he was really young too he was only like 21 or 22 years old yeah. so he was probably like yeah. wanting a little yes. bit of like direction and guidance yeah yeah and i think margaret very much would be like this is what we're going to do at camp and here's you know it, who's doing what in a challenge she was very she always had an opinion about that stuff and spoke up on it so i think you know she was trying to take direction on some of that stuff too so so she probably thought she was in control, but you guys would have eventually booted yep. her. Yes. And we'd like to let everybody think she was in control too and all that. You don't want that, that you know, that uh, target on you. So mm -hmm. that's probably how we would have played it going forward. Yes. <laughs> so so yeah. you guys get after the merge and then it'd be, it, let's just say the final four is you four. What happens from there? Bobby John's out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 And then uh, in the final three, I, cause I've Danny wins like, the final immunity because she won it. I know. Oh, I'd have to vote out yep. Brooke because I'm taking Brandon to the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, and it's not from the beginning. Brandon, I wanted um, that kid to win the game, y'all. I wanted him to win. I knew Brooke, yes. she's going to go be a successful lawyer and she was. <laughs> 
on the West Coast. She's gorgeous. She can go have a nice life. She did well in the game. Get off, Brooke. It's Frank Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I know. And see, Danny's more magnanimous than I am because I think I would have taken um, Brandon because I would have hoped that I could have beat him at the end and maybe had made better connections with people than Brandon had because Danny would have been more of a threat on that level because everybody loves Danny because she's so sweet and so just fun to be around and Paul and I think the thing Danny you have going for you is you are such a positive personality and people are naturally drawn to that and that was one of the things I noticed when we had our new like after after everyone that I was close with <laughs> and which was on my alliance Brandon um Danny and then uh, Bobby John ended up on the other tribe. There was definitely a whole different vibe of like just more negativity and stuff. I think for all of us on our team, it was so much more, um, you know, we were just more excited and more positive about things. And so there was kind of a shift and it's hard when you were in, like when you were starving, not getting a lot of sleep and you don't know who to trust because we're all competing for a million dollars. It's hard to be around negative people too, on top of all that. So, oh. And we could see it on your faces, you and Margaret, that first time we met up for a challenge against you guys, we're like, oh, we came to back to camp so going, bad. oh, they're miserable. It is not good over there. <laughs> Yeah, not so much. <laughs> and then, and we, and when we swapped tribes, uh, we gained Gary, and Gary was pleasant. I was like, yeah, we just really lucked out. And yeah, no, you got both times. Oh, she's hilarious. She's yep. so fun. She's great. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, I'm getting ready to exit here, y'all. So I'm gonna have to focus of where I'm going and get into the event. <laughs> so, um, so good to talk to you, Danny. Thanks. That made my day. That was a fun surprise. I'm so glad it worked out. Jack and I were trying. I was like, oh gosh, this is the one day that I'm so busy. Like, I really want to make this happen. I love Brooke. We've got to talk. So yeah. Um, oh, well, thanks for making it work. Please tell your husband and everybody hello, and we have to stay connected, and I'll let you know. Uh, we'll be coming out that way, I'm sure. Whenever we do, I'll let you know. Oh, yes. Yeah, when you're checking out colleges. Yes. <laughs> so. yes. Hey, wait. What, before right. you go, Danny, when's yeah. the last time you guys saw each other? Oh, gosh. Was it, it wasn't the reunion. It was another time after that. Where did we? Yeah, no. Each? I was trying to think, too, because, yeah, there was one time after that. Oh, was it the reunion of everyone? Remember when they came back for, was it Heroes versus Vision? Yeah, when you or? when you had Harper then. Yeah, that was the time we had Harper, but I'm, I was thinking maybe there was a time after that, but yeah. maybe not because uh, it was the 10 year anniversary reunion. Yes. So that might've actually been the last time I saw Did it. you guys do any charity events together? Yeah, yeah. Uh, not together. Mm -mm. I just think you Brooke and I both like didn't make a career out of Survivor, right? Like I feel like when we yeah it works and we go to something you can, but both of us were focused on a uh, tenth of a mile. Uh, Turn left, uh, we were both uh, focused on our careers and other things, and then you know I feel I, nothing gets in the way of my kids now too, so I don't want to miss Turn a game, I don't want to miss an event of theirs, so I usually say no to everything, but you know occasional things. So yes. Winner, winners at war. I'm glad you played that. That was fun. Yeah, you were my, you're who I was that. rooting for. No, but I was rooting for you, just so you know. So. I know you were. I did not want to let my Guatemala people down, but let me tell you, that was going to, I knew it would be hard anyway because everybody, you know, already knowing everyone and people yeah. so incredibly connected and pre gaming. So yeah. I knew I'd, and, it, and things were just kind of falling apart. But 
I was just not happy with the edit, but I know a lot of people, you know, have that experience. And I was really happy that Adam Klein came to, uh, came to bat for me on that and was talking yeah. about how I really had an unfair edit. So it made me feel better, but it's just hard to go out that way. I didn't, you know, I knew it was going to be challenging yeah. to win that, but I just really wanted at least, you know, have a presence. <laughs> So, yeah, but yeah. Okay. Well, it's fun My to hear about. It's not wrapped up in Survivor. Yeah. It's not wrapped <laughs> <Yes>. up in Survivor. <laughs> yeah. All right. You guys have a great podcast, and I will talk to both of you later. Yes. Thanks, have, Sammy. Have a great time Bye, tonight, guys. Danny. Thanks for making thank it work. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Jack. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye. How about that? That was great. Okay. I'm impressed. Thanks for. <laughs> bringing Danny on. That's, that's fun. I miss, you know, seeing people from my season and stuff because my season didn't stay as connected as some of the other ones. So that was fun. That was, were you pretty shocked by that? Oh, a hundred percent. Nope. I would have, when you said a fan, I was like, okay, random person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was just so funny because I was texting her while I was texting with you and I'm like, Danny, don't come in here yet. We have to wait till Brooke gets, we have to start recording because I'll ruin the surprise. And yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I know. And I was running a few minutes late. So now I know why you were like, we got to start on time. (laughs) (laughs) So makes sense now. She had that short little window, but we were doing things a little different today. That was a fun little surprise that we had. Um, Didn't get. We haven't gotten to too, talk too much about Brooke's background. So I'm curious, Brooke, what drew you to Survivor? Yeah, so um, it's one of those things where I've always been, um, you know, I grew up in Oregon on a farm, um, sixth generation to live on the farm. And so, you know, outdoors, nature, that thing has always been, you know, my favorite. I love that. And I feel like... Um, I love a good challenge. And so Survivor's one of those, like, I've always had the mindset, like, you know, it's 39 days. You can do anything for 39 days. You can stick it out. You can, you know, when there's a finite end to something, I'm like, I can do this. And so so I was really excited. It's funny because Survivor was one of those shows where, um, you know, it came out, I think, when I was in college. And then, in, you know, I was in law school, you know, in the three years prior to me being on the show. So the hard part was, it's like sports. I love, love, love to play sports, but I'm not one that usually sits down and watches it on TV. So Survivor was a little like that. Like, I'm like, I'm totally intrigued by this game. You know, it's interesting. But I didn't really sit down and watch all the shows. I heard about it. My family loved watching it and things. And so it was one where, um, you know, I really was like, oh my gosh, I do so good at this game. And then I was one of those people who was living in Santa Monica and this woman comes up to me. It was like my... Um, I was doing, it was my third year of law school and I was taking like winter exams. And she's like, have you ever thought of doing reality TV? And I was like, no, not really. And I just <laughs> focused on law school. And she goes, if you could do any reality TV show, what would it be? And I go, well, I go, not any dating ones. And I said, not any singing ones because I'm tone deaf. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then she goes, she goes, okay, well, um, can I get your phone number? And so I was like, oh, I'm curious, you know, and she was there with her husband and she had like a big rock on her finger. So it didn't seem like some just random person. So gave her my phone number. And the next day she called and she's like, hey, I'm Lynn Spillman. I'm head, um, you know, casting director for Survivor and Amazing Race. And, you know, I'd really like you to be on the show. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy because I would never I'm the type person who is like I would never apply to Survivor because 
I would never get picked. I'm like, the odds are so slim. I would just, you know, I'm like, oh, there's not a good chance of it to ever apply. So it was just one of those like amazing, like right place, right time. And so, and then I still had to go through everything. You have to do the audition video. You have to do semi-final auditions. You have to do all that stuff. So I did have to go through all of that, which was fascinating um, and really interesting to see. And then also being a law student at the time, it was kind of interesting to see how you know the contracts they do for survivor and legally how stuff set up with production and so anyway it was amazing i was so excited and so thrilled when i you know finally got on the show so and you kind of had a similar experience to danny the second time that danny played because neither of you guys got a whole lot of airtime there's obviously a little bit we get a tiny little bit of a story of why you got voted out it sounds like we didn't really get the full story. So what is the full story? Yeah, that was the hardest part too is, you know, you do the show and we filmed from like mid-June to about this, well, start of August for everybody that stayed in the game. But, you know, we were out of the country that whole time. And then the show airs in September. So you don't know this whole time, like how it's going to be edited. And for everyone that plays Survivor, you have your story in your head of what went on and then you watch the show and there's so many things that you didn't know. And the hard part too is I feel like for every person, like, you know, you just see things from your perspective. And so when you finally watch the show, you know, you understand later, if you're an early vote off, they're not going to spend a lot of time on your storyline because you're just not going to be around in, you know, in the end. And so, so many things happened that I felt like, oh, this is significant. And they didn't show that on there. And so one of the things I felt like is I'm like, oh, Danny and I connected so much and talked so much and would have these like, you know, we'd go down to get water at the dock each morning and we'd have these strategic conversations. And then I'm like, none of that was shown. I don't think anybody would even really know from my watching my season that I connected with Danny very much, you know? So there's a lot of that stuff that wasn't on there. But at the same time, I'm like, mm, I get it. And I think the thing that was a little bit of like one where I was like, oh, this is kind of a bummer for our season is since ours was the first season where it was returning players versus brand new players. So it seemed like, you know, when I was watching the first episode, I'm like, half of it is Bobby, John and Stephanie. And then the remaining time is divided <laughs> to everybody else. So and it is what it is. But that's one where I'm like, oh, you don't get to know the rest of us very well. Well, and I have to think that that was something that you guys sensed while you were there. Like, I'm sure a lot of you were like, what the heck? They got their chance. This is our time now. And um, so was there kind of a little bit of that? I don't want to call it animosity, but a target on their back for part of the part of the reason that, hey, they, they got their chance. We want to be on TV. We want to get a chance to play here. Yeah. You know, what? it's funny because um I don't think we, I knew like as far as editing was going to go, how it would be, you know, a little bit more to them. I really wasn't thinking about that, but definitely like when we were, um, you know, before the show airs and stuff, like in silence, you know, they film some stuff for the intros and you're seeing everybody that's there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a one in 16 shot. I think that's how many was before Danny. I think we were 18 with Bobby John um, and Stephanie, but it's been 18 years, as you said. At any rate, I think what I was thinking was, oh my gosh, I have a one in 16 shot at getting a million dollars. 
as soon as they brought Stephanie and Bobby John out, my first thought was, oh, one in 18 now, dang it, you know? So I was not, I was not at all happy to see them. I know they're like, oh, these are, you know, valuable players who can give you insight. And I was like, nope, nope, nope. They just decreased my odds of winning a million dollars. And it's funny because, um, uh, I remember my sister really liked Bobby John on the season before. And so I was like, ooh, my sister's going to be jealous <laughs> with Bobby John. But other than that, like, I mean, Bobby John was very nice. It wasn't, I didn't necessarily see him as a threat early on. Now, when, I mean, now what I know is if you have returning players, you vote them off the first chance you get because it's like a college student playing a game against a kindergartner. You just, they have so much more of an advantage that you do not realize. But because we were the first season that happened, I think all, a lot of us were naive about it. Like, I just thought of it as a numbers game. Like, oh, there's two more people competing. I just didn't realize how much of an advantage they have. And it's funny because as you watch them walk out, when Stephanie walks out, people on like, I think Morgan or Brianna was like crying. Shoot. They were so excited. And I was like, why are you guys happy about this? You know? <laughs> so they definitely were like, yay, Stephanie. And I'm like, no, 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 this is the bad thing, guys. <laughs> so, well, I do think that if I were playing the game and I've obviously, I've seen these, I, I watch these shows a lot more than people should. At least the early seasons. I don't watch. Uh-huh. I haven't watched the last couple seasons, and I haven't rewatched many of the later seasons. But I'm a huge fan of the really early seasons, so I've probably seen yeah. Guatemala like four or five times total. And I watched it more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen like I've seen the game film on Bobby John, and I I think Bobby John would be someone I'd want to play the game with because he plays. He's such a straight shooter. He plays mm-hmm. the game just like he's he's always going to be an asset in challenges and camp life and how much he how hard a worker he is. But Stephanie, mm-hmm. I don't think I'd want to like if I was in that position where you guys were in, if I know what I know now. And mm-hmm. a lot of people might not have known just how like crafty of a player Stephanie is. Yeah, no. And that's the thing is, especially, too, because of her edit on Palau you know, you don't, it, it's just like, you know, already know Steph, Stephanie's so athletic, so good at challenges, and she's not going to quit for anything. Um, so we knew that component of it. But because it was just her team getting eliminated throughout Palau, you don't realize that she's strategic. You know, you we just didn't get, it's not that you just didn't get to see that part of it on Palau, basically. And so, yeah, I don't think anybody knew. But she definitely was one, like, you hit the nail on the head. Bobby John is, like, loyal. And he's kind of an open book with his, you know, where where his alliances are. So he wasn't um, what I would call as much of a threat as Stephanie was. Yeah, I think the big thing that you can kind of see it, but obviously they portray the show in a certain fashion for Stephanie to be a hero. And why wouldn't they? Because she became like the face of the franchise for a little bit. And um, she was my favorite player. And, but the one kind of moment where that was kind of where you could, if you're watching it really close and granted at this point in time, we don't have any survivor Palau on DVDs. Like you just kind of take the cassettes and most people aren't watching that more than once. The one time 
is when she told Bobby John that she didn't vote for him and she actually had. And Bobby John believed that. And yeah. I believe that that was like, there's a little bit, if you watch the season, and I, I mean, you were probably privy to some conversations that were had when you were in the jungle. Bobby John has this like, there's a little bit of tension there between him and Stephanie. And I don't even think Stephanie notices it, but I think Bobby John is still like, I can't trust this person after she lied to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, Steph, um, cause we definitely asked him about Stephanie and things. And I do remember, uh, it wasn't like, he didn't say anything bad that he didn't like Stephanie, but it was kind of one like, no, watch your back. And, yeah. you, don't, you know, she's not one you want to keep around because she's a threat and stuff. So it wasn't one of those where like, I love Stephanie. Let's keep her to the end. It's just like, I mean, it's just like she's a good player is the thing. Yeah. So it's like she's a threat. Yeah. She she got me before. I can't have that happen again. Yeah, no, it's a compliment if no one wants you around till the end as far as your <laughs> strategic play and stuff. And I actually, you know, I've had Stephanie on the show several times. We really haven't talked about Guatemala with each other very much, if at all. I was just watching it again recently to prepare to talk to you and Danny because it's cool that we got. Now we've had like three Guatemala contestants on this show, which is so funny because the Guatemala cast doesn't keep up with each other. And they didn't bring anyone else back on the show until Danny came back. Oh, I know. We were we were like excommunicated from the Survivor <laughs> family. They did not want any of us returning. That's why I kept holding out hoping like maybe they're going to have our entire season return and then see if it goes any different <laughs> than the first time around, which would actually be really interesting to see if you just like let's redo an entire season. Yeah. I would love that. I think that'd be really cool. I think that was actually a theory some people had online at one point in time about Guatemala. Yeah, because we'd all just been shut out from here. (laughs) They're saving them all. Yeah. (laughs) But um, with Stephanie, I do think as I watch this this most recent time, I think that Stephanie actually came really close to winning. I think the point where she loses the game is when, and I guess I, I, I haven't, again, I have not talked about this with her, but I'm pretty certain her plan was to take Judd to the final two. And in that situation, it sounds like Judd might not, I mean, he, he would have been beatable. Um, and I'll, I'll let you weigh in on that in a second. But um, the big move there is that the, I think that was her plan the whole time. She didn't want to go to the end with Rafe, but Rafe was able to get rid of Judd because he had Danny and there were mm-hmm. some other uh, Lydia and um, they were able to get Judd out at the final six. So then Stephanie really didn't have any other options other than to go with Rafe. And not only was it the fact that she had lost um, Judd as someone that she could beat in the end but she sent she ended up and she didn't i i do think i do know this she didn't want to do that move with judd um but with the other thing is now you've got one more person on the jury who is certainly not voting for her yeah there was a lot of judd made it clear even at the finale how he felt about stephanie and her costing him a million dollars that he said but i think you're right i think Stephanie knew that her best play was to take Judd with her and that, you know, she kind of got forced to have to vote him out earlier. And, and that really like, that could have been her winning ticket, you know, Um, because Judd just, Judd was kind of like a bull in a China shop, you know? And, and it's funny because as soon as we had, you know, they shuffled the tribes, 
you know, like, like Danny and I were saying, Judd was kind of the odd man out on our team. He was very different than the rest of us. So it makes a hundred percent, you know, sense that he was the one to flip because as soon as like Stephanie was on there, Jamie, Judd was more with his people, the people that he, like, he just, they had a lot more in common and stuff. And so he really felt more of a connection to them and stuff. And so I think that's also why like Judd was so hurt that Stephanie, like, you know, voted him out. I mean, that was something that was like a very bitter, you know, bitter thing for him. Yeah. And she didn't really have a whole lot of a choice because the best she could have done was tied. But like, so here's the thing. So Rafe, I think, played a really good game because he was able to take away all that power from Stephanie. And not only the fact that, you know, force Stephanie to go to the end with him, but also get all these people on the jury that are mad at Stephanie. So she's no, like she basically has no chance to get Cindy's vote, Judd's vote or Jamie's vote. Those three are out. And then you keep Danny around that whole time. And Danny, the combination of Danny being a fantastic player and having Mm -hmm. her, some of her friends on the jury. um, I think that is kind of like how we got to the situation where it was just an entire blowout. Whereas I do think it may have been a little closer if Stephanie and Rafe had, if that was the final two there. Yeah. Um, it does sound like, from what I've heard, it sounds like Rafe still wins in that case. Yeah, I think, um, because I think Stephanie still would have had people that were too bitter on the, uh, yeah, the jury. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, so I, that's why I don't think it would have really changed. It would have been a little closer because she might have gotten, like, she she probably would have gotten Danny's vote. You know, maybe she yeah. gets, yeah. you know, Bobby John's vote or Gary's vote or something like that. So maybe it's a little closer, but she doesn't yeah. win. Yeah. But yeah. I do think if it's her and Judd, who do you think wins? Oh, Stephanie. Yeah. And that, yeah, I'm... no, I don't, I can't see anyone that would vote for, um, sorry, Judd. <laughs> I like, I mean, Judd outside the show, like, he's great, but yeah, I don't think, I think it was, would have been Stephanie. But Judd thinks he would have won, right? Probably still to this day. Probably. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's how everybody thinks if you get to redo it. I would have won. <laughs> <laughs> right. So. Yeah. I just, I found that really, the end game is really interesting of Guatemala. And we'll come back to kind of like your experiences, but I'm curious, like, what was your experience watching it from the sidelines? Because you didn't, unfortunately, didn't get to be a part of the end game and you were out pretty early. Yeah. You know, I felt like um, I really enjoyed the first episode. I think my only thing was realizing I'm like, oh man, half the airtime is going to go to Bobby, John, and Stephanie. So, because for me, what was really important was I wanted my family to see like my journey and you know what I went through. Like I was really proud to show them that like, even though I was on a brief period of time, I did really well while I was there, you know, and I was like, and I picked the right person to be with Danny (laughs) ended up with, I was like, that was validation that I like knew who to align with. Um, So that part was hard, but I, you know, I felt like it's funny. One of the things that um, they cut from the first uh, episode is at one point we were on these rafts, like log rafts when we were doing our, you know, jungle race. And it was kind of like Tom Sawyer style. You're on these rafts with poles and we had to go navigate down this kind of little river um, to get to the next point on the hike. And that was kind of an interesting different thing, but like that didn't make it. So there's just things like that. But for the most part, um, I think the second episode or third episode when I watched it, I was like, 
I don't think I spoke once in the entire episode. <laughs> I was like, oh man, or maybe it was my fourth one I was off. So it was just my time <laughs> in the fourth. But I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm on such a short period of time. Couldn't have had one line or anything about what's going on. And, you know, it was just one too where I was like, I had all these connections with Danny or, you know, stuff would happen out there that you felt was like significant or important. And you're like, production's like, you know, it's not important. So, so there was I, a, wait, there was a challenge. You said it was, was it part of that? Did you say it was part of that long challenge that they didn't show? No, so it wasn't um, our, basically our first challenge was the, you know, the 11 round right. jungle hike. And so that was part of the journey was a part where we were on these rafts with poles and it just never, you know, so it wasn't a separate challenge, but it was just yeah. part of that whole jungle hike. And that was, you know, never on there or anything. So, so that was the thing. I mean, I think, I feel like Survivor for the most part, um, production does a really good job of, they don't make someone out to be someone they're not. Um, but they can kind of edit things. So you see more of one thing than the other. It's not, um, it was just one where I, you know, I wasn't shown a lot, but I get it. So I was fine with my edit. I didn't think it portrayed me any different than I really was out there. And when, um, at my final tribal council, when Jeff was asking questions, you know, and there's so many things there that just get edited out. But he'd asked, he's like, you know, Brooke, we, you didn't have a lot of time with the new, these new people on your tribe. Like, you know, how's, how's Jamie, you know? And I go, oh, Jamie seems really nice. You know, we talked like, cause I had a conversation with Jamie. We went to collect firewood and I think Jamie had just moved to LA. And so we we're having conversations about like, you know, where I go to church out there and does he like LA? And that's literally all we talked about. And he seemed really nice. So then uh, Jeff goes, Hey, Jamie, what do you think of Brooke? And Jamie goes, Oh man, he goes, Brooke just thinks she's smarter than everyone else. She's out here in the jungle throwing out these big words and she just thinks she's better than everyone else because she's in law school, blah, blah, blah. And I was devastated. I was listening to that going, oh my gosh, America is going to watch this and think that's what really happened. There's no video footage of it because it didn't happen. But I'm like, but someone's saying this at Tribal. And so that was incredibly upsetting to me. And not until I watched in... I think it was October maybe when I, my scene aired or my episode aired where I got voted out. And then when I watched that, I was so relieved that that wasn't at all in the tribal council. And it wasn't there because that didn't happen. And I think in production, they're like, that's not true. And there's nothing. It would just be random to put that out there because that didn't happen. And what's really funny is, you know, Jeff walks away from like everybody, um, does their comments, then they go vote and he counts the votes. So as he's counting the votes, you know, and they're not filming us right then, Jamie leans over to me and he goes, hey, Brooke, he goes, you know, I like you, right? He goes, I just said that stuff because that's what they want to hear on TV. And I could have killed him right there. I was like, oh my gosh, you just thought that was really funny to say and good for TV. You just made up a whole story about me. Like that is awful. Like that's really awful. I've since made amends with Jamie and I like Jamie, but it was just one of those things where I was like, that is so wrong and so rude. And I don't even know how you can't fathom that. So luckily that was the one thing I was so worried about being out there and it wasn't. So that was good. <laughs> well, you've had, you had another run in with Jamie since then. Is that correct? I mean, I've had a few run ins. <laughs> Jamie. Jamie's, I mean, he's so 
I, you know, especially right after my season, um, you know, they have all these charity events that you can go to. And I loved it. Like I would have so much fun going and meeting because I was a survivor fan. So I would go watch, you know, I'd get to go to these charity events and meet other survivors that I'd watched. And it's really fun because you have, I think at the time I was on it, there was maybe 300 some survivors that had been on the show. Now it's like what, seven or 800. I have no idea. I lost count. Brian Corden would know he tracks all that stuff. They're probably like, (laughs) they're probably like 200 that have played more than once. Like, yes, no, but there's a lot. So all that said, it is such, it's just a very diverse group of people from all over the country, different backgrounds, different personality types, but you have this common experience that you went through that nobody else understands. And so it's really fun to go to those. And so I've had a good time getting to do those. And one of, so I'd seen, Jamie's been at a few of those, but the big one was one that um, Bob Crowley um, from Survivor Gabon puts on in Maine. And this was back in, I think, 2015. And you basically go in the woods of Maine um, and you play, they bring back some returning players. I think there were six of us. And then um, fans get to play against the players. And so it's three days of doing Survivor in the woods of Maine. And it was the best. I had so much fun. And what's funny is at that time, I was kind of like, oh, I, you know, I, Jamie wasn't my favorite person because of what happened in my episode. And then out of 400, 500 survivors at that point in time, there's six of them. Jamie was one of the people out there. And I was like, oh, are you kidding me right now? And they put all of us survivors on a team and it was great. And I remember the first night in the woods, we're like building a fire. Um, you know, we had Joel from the first season, uh, Dr. Jill from Nicaragua. And then uh, we had Nina, um, Jamie, myself. Oh, actually, I feel really bad. I'm forgetting one person. I think. Um, anyway, so we're out there and I was laughing because... Troy Zan, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, Troy Zan. And he was the first person I met out there. Um, anyway, we're laughing because it started to get dark. We build a fire. And the next thing you know, Jamie's like, where's my pants? I lost my pants. And we're like, we haven't even been here for an hour. <laughs> he suddenly like lost his pants and he just seems hilarious. Like I know why they cast him. And I remember Joel looks over me at one point and he goes, is this guy for real? And I was like, yes, this is Jamie, but he's great. Like, I mean, he's so entertaining. And then what was really sweet is early on, we, I got, I kind of got Jamie voted out of the game in Maine. <laughs> Revenge. Um, so he was out really early on in the game and I made it till, um, my final three, four, really close at a fire challenge with Joel and just beat me. Um, but Jamie was so sweet. He sat there each day coming and watching the challenges and he was like rooting for me. He was taking pictures. He's like, I'm sending these to KJ. And he was really sweet. He goes afterwards, he goes, man, he goes, you're so good at this stuff. You're awesome. He goes, Stephanie was so smart to vote you out. You would have killed it in the game. And I was like, Oh gosh, Jamie, that was the sweetest thing. That really meant a lot to me. So I, it just comes full circle. It's one where people have their beef against other people in the game, but I think most people are able to move on from that stuff. And, you know, it's just a game, even if it's for millions of dollars. So. <laughs> and here's something I'll say to listeners who don't know Brooke, um, but I do know Brooke pretty well. And Brooke's a very competitive person, as you can tell from her strategy games that she likes to play, board games. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't get to see too much of it on the show, but she's very competitive, and now she brings that to the courtroom. 
<laughs> yes, that's one of the, um, it's funny, I was telling someone the other day, because I, I do also mediation for divorces where, you know, you don't represent either party and you're trying to help them reach an agreement. Um, and those don't come up as often. But I realized the other day, I was like, what? I'm like, I actually, even though mediation can be a little more peaceful, I'm like, I'm more designed to take a side and argue it. I like doing that better than trying to get two people to like come to the middle and stuff. I, I enjoy that sort of thing, debates and arguments and, and things like that. So it's, it's intellectually challenged. I feel like going to trial sometimes it's like playing chess. You're like, if I make this move, what are they going to do? Then what's my return move? And so it's kind of like, it's fun in the sense of it being mentally challenging and stuff too. So and so there, there you go. That's the competitive spirit of why she's like, I got to get Jamie back. I got to get him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I grew up in a family where we loved like the whole extended family too. We all play games and we are all like so competitive, die hard. And, but it's also one where you learn not to be offended. Like, you know, someone beats you, you trash talk, but it's just a <laughs> game. And, you know, and they actually said that in my survivor interviews too. Um, they said something about like, you know, being a Christian, are you going to be able to lie to people? And I go, you know, I go, if you're playing poker, I used to love playing poker in high school and college. Why does that not and surprise me? <laughs> I was in the honors college at Oregon State and every Thursday night was poker night in the <laughs> student lounge. I made it, I made good money off of it. Um, but anyway, so with, po so I said that in my interviews, I go, you know what? I love to play, um, you know, I play poker. And in poker, that is part of the game. You bluff, you lie. And I do not think that's immoral in the context of a game. And I told them to, I think I go, you know, me and confessionals trash talking someone and saying things about that, I think would be not, you know, of good moral character, but doing the strategic stuff and lying to people. I'm like, it's a game. That's what you, you do in games. So that was kind of, that was my take on it. And that's what, I mean, I, I, so obviously I know Brooke and I know Stephanie and you guys didn't really get a chance to know each other very well, but I really feel like you guys are similar in a lot of ways. And that kind of like com competitive nature, like she, you both grew up playing sports. It's just, she's East coast, you're West coast. You ended up on different side of the numbers. But Danny actually said when she was on here the first time, she was like, it would have been fun if original Lacoom was the three of you girls as like the really competitive girls kind of running the show. That would have been something, wouldn't it have? Yeah, no, it would have been kind of a powerhouse. It would have been super fun. And yeah, that's the thing that's sad is that um, I really loved watching Stephanie and Palau and like just her tenacity and going through like losing her whole tribe and sticking it out was amazing. Um, and so, you know, when, when Stephanie and I got thrown on a team together, we're just looking at each other like numbers. It wasn't like, I'm going to get to know you and be friends with you. It was just, she's like that law school girl, let's vote her out. And I was, you know, we're trying to figure out who we're going to pick off of their team, which I thought would be Lydia because, you know, her fake hips and not being as athletic at challenges and stuff, even though she was very sweet. But yeah, so Stephanie and I didn't get to connect at all in the game. It was purely strategic at the point that, you know, we were briefly on the same team and stuff. But I I really had fun, thanks to your recommendation, watching Traders and watching Stephanie play. And she was so good. And she, and I think, wasn't she one of them that got buried in the coffin? Yeah. And, oh my gosh. I was like, she is awesome. I could never do that. You know, she, she really was great. And she, you know, she was able to more call out who was, you know, 
who was good, who was bad, and she just didn't get listened to. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a tough game because even if you get called out and you're right, though, and you get one of the traders out, well, there's still like two more traders, then they can add another trader and they can just murder the person because yeah. they're good at the game. So, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough situation. It was a little she stacked was in. in favor of the traders, <laughs> but it was, it was a really fun watch, it was really cool, and it was really cool that she just all of a sudden came back after all these years away, and yeah. Because I hadn't seen her on, I mean, I don't think, did she do a Fear Factor? I can't remember. No, she, she okay. like, after Heroes vs. Villain, she packed her bags, and she was a baseball wife, and then all of a sudden just she got had her hands the, full. Yeah, and she, I'm certain she's had tons and tons of opportunities to go back on other shows, but yeah. she fi- it finally worked out, so she got back out there. And it's funny you mentioned the coffin thing. They edited that clip. She said, I'm not scared of small spaces. And they edited it to say, I am scared of small spaces. So, See, and that's survivors not like that. Like they can kind of show parts of the story to portray things a little different, but they won't do something that that's so like, blatantly, blatantly like, the opposite of what, of what she said. Like, <laughs> yep. No, that was that was a crazy one. And then yeah, the other challenge on there that got me was when they had like they were in the room locked with rats and like the maggots and stuff falling on their heads. That was gnarly. <laughs> that, was an that was the like Rachel Riley, like one of the all time greatest challenge performances I've seen of any show. It's like they're dumping the grossest bugs and everything on her face. And she's just like unfazed. It was remarkable. Everyone else is having a panic attack. And she's just like, OK, yeah, there are six there are six spiders over here. Like, <laughs> She just sticks her head like, here's how many scorpions. No, I. I, I mean, I know a lot of people on that show. She rubbed the wrong way. I actually got to play with her at that Temecula, Temecula Reality Rally, which is kind of like a one-day amazing race thing around Temecula, California. And I was on her team. And so I got to know her. I mean, she was great. She was really fun and funny. And she was smart. I mean, she's same thing in the game. She called so many things out. But, yeah, she she's fun. <laughs> I love her. She has one of my all-time favorite laughs. Like, when she starts laughing, it's just con- infectious. You want to start laughing too yeah yep so okay brooke uh i want to talk a little more survivor here and we can talk a little bit of life stuff here some faith um i'm curious to know well i guess going back to what you're sort of saying like jamie saying oh she's so stuck up she's in law school i remember seeing I, i watched this recently i think it was your either your early show interview or maybe it was another interview that you did for some press, you sounded like you were pretty surprised that you were sort of shown that your archetype was the law school person because, you know, you were a girl who grew up on a farm and is super outdoorsy, which is obviously not really something you associate with someone who's in law school. Yeah, no, it's one, that was what was frustrating is like, um, I think I said this at the finale. I was like, Brandon was the farm boy from the Midwest. And I was the law school girl from like, <laughs> I mean, I think we did put, I was from Hood River and stuff, but I was, you know, I'm a Pepperdine hat. And so that's what everybody saw me as. And so, um, and it's one too, where I just thought, oh, it's better to fly under the radar, but if they think you're too weak, then you can get voted out. And so that was my frustration as 
I was like, I think my original team saw how I did in the challenges with them and they saw how strong I was. And then when I got on my next team, I mean, kind of the, the tribe swap, it was a numbers thing, you know, they flipped, you know, Judd flipped, they were going to vote out one of us and it was just what order are they going to do it? You know, me, then Margaret, that's the way it went. Um, and then Blake, uh, or not Blake, sorry. No, I think that was just it in that tribe. Oh, yeah, it was was like another tribe. Yeah, and it was Judd and Cindy were tight, so they just ended up joining that other group, and it it was a bad draw for you either way. Yeah, Yeah. but so that was one of the things is that, um, you know, in, in Survivor, before, when you're traveling down to Guatemala from, like, we left out of Florida, you see for the first time in the shuttle to the airport everybody you're playing with, and all you have to go on is looking at people and like stereotyping them. Like that person looks strong. That person looks really mean. I wonder. I mean, we all did it. We all talked about you know what we were thinking of each person. And so also too, like you know, I I think people just see me and they're like, oh, she looks like she's not super tough. And then they hear I'm in law school. So yeah, no one ever really looked at me like, oh, it's tough farm girl. Um, and it was really sweet. My uncle, this is a couple of years ago. He goes because it happens in my line of work too. You know, sometimes people meet with me and they're like, oh, you seem too, you know, too sweet or too kind. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to be mean to be right. When you're arguing before a judge, you can do it in a polite, respectful manner and not be shouting and screaming. And most judges appreciate when you're not, you know? So my uncle was saying, he goes, I bet you get underestimated a lot. And I go, yes. And he goes, and I bet they don't make that same mistake twice. And I go, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And that was, that was a compliment. I was like, yeah, that's, that happens. So anyway, it's kind of one where you have to, even in, you know, being an attorney, sometimes you have to prove yourself to people and it just is what it is. I just didn't get a chance to really prove myself on Survivor because I was on there so brief. So It's too bad. I mean, hey, you have a pretty good attitude about it. But guess what? Even though you got voted out, you got to have an adventure. You got to go to Ponderosa. And I have a question here from a listener named Michael Grandolfi, who wants to know what were the conditions like at Ponderosa before the pre-jury trip? I know the season as a whole was super brutal, and I've heard that the conditions for the crew weren't great either, which is partially why Jeff hated filming the season so much. Were there (laughs) actual accommodations, or was it just tents in the jungle? Also, share any fun Ponderosa pre-jury trip stories you may have. I've heard some fun ones before, but never from Guatemala. Oh my gosh. Yes. Ponderosa was really fun. I mean, once you get over the heartbreak of I'm not going to win a million dollars, it was funny because ours, um, you know, now they have survivor has its Island and they have great accommodations. <laughs> when you get voted out, I hear about the things now and I'm like, wait, what you had a house? Cool. I like, I can't comprehend that. No. So for us, when I got voted out, we were on like a nature preserve in Guatemala. So we literally had tents, on platforms in the middle of the jungle and we had a cot and i remember taking my first shower and it was glorious after not showering for like two weeks in 120 degree heat but it was like camp showers where the door comes to about here and it comes to about your knees and it's all open air there's nothing like the kitchen the dining area we didn't have any enclosed structures or anything like that so it's funny because Right now, you would be like, wow, that's so rugged. But coming out of being in the middle of the jungle, you're like, this is great. I can totally do this. So it wasn't glamorous where we were at, but it, it was wonderful. Um, 
And it was a really fun time too to just to get to meet everybody, you know, outside of the game. Um, and let's see, one of the fun stories, um, because there was like the main kitchen dining area, and that's kind of where we'd hang out all day. And so, you know, we had a couple chaperones and stuff that were there. And then sometimes the crew, they were located somewhere else, but they'd sometimes come visit. Um, so in our kitchen, um, you know, there was like a little bit of chicken wire around stuff, but it was just open to the elements. So you would go to get like a candy bar and a scorpion would run out. <laughs> there were so many scorpions. And so eventually we just had like, we had all this raid cans. And as soon as you saw a scorpion, you just stand there and spray raid on it till it died. And so then we started a collection jar of scorpions. <laughs> so, so that the, the chaperones were like, we want to show what kind of living conditions we have to work in. So we had a whole jar of scorpions that we collected um, from Ponderosa. So Oh my gosh. So it was like, it was you, it was basically everyone up from Jim through Brandon. You guys all mm -hmm. went to Ponderosa and they took you to Costa Rica. Like, was that a little nicer? Yes. Costa Rica was much nicer. We basically had, um, it's almost kind of like a, kind of like a couple, like a little apartment complex thing that they rented out that was small enough. There was no one else there and that had a pool. Um, and it was well, our first night there, we got to go to San Jose and stay at this amazingly nice hotel. And the awesome thing is, you know, you have now we had two new chaperones that took us. And I think they'd done some of the seasons before. Um, and I think like our chaperones were like, 28 and 30 years old. <laughs> so <laughs> Jim was far older than them, but they basically have the Burnett Productions credit card. And so you get to go to any restaurant, any, I mean, whatever you do, they just pay for everything. So every night out, it's like unlimited drinks, unlimited dessert. I mean, all this stuff. And so that was, that was really fun. It was just like getting to be kind of an unlimited vacation and Costa Rica was great. And Everybody got to go a little wild. People were stir crazy, like Jim especially, because he'd been at camp for, you know, two weeks before he got out of there. And so, um, like, our first night there was a little wild, and we all ended up at a casino and playing blackjack. And it was great fun. Did you guys use fake names when you were vacationing? They did. They did give us fake names, and we, they were names from um, Animal House, I think, is where we <laughs> had ours. I was... I was something like Belinda. Oh, that's who was Flounder. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm so bad about that stuff. Um, but yeah, so we were supposed to use our fake names for things. And and this is what's funny too. I mean, this was back before, you know, social media accounts and things. And so you weren't supposed to go on the internet or anything like that. Um, but Brian Corridan was like very diligent about going into these internet cafes. We'd like sneak away from the chaperones. And he was such a Survivor fan. He knew the different like Survivor Sucks websites. So he was going on there and he would be like, oh my gosh, they spoiled. Like they found out that Danny's on it and they found out Blake's on it and they would post it. And so it was, we had fun like seeing so those. So Brian was reading out. all of this, but he wasn't posting anything. No, he wasn't posting anything. I mean, he knew but he was finding out info for you guys. Yeah. Yes. To tell yeah, us I want to make sure because people pe people might think it's they might hear that and say, oh, he was spoiling this information to oh, them. Yeah, he no, found no. out about the spoilers and was telling you guys. Exactly. Yeah. So he it was just one of those things where because no one's supposed to know until we get back into the country who's even on the season. And so it was we were just all fascinated where he's like, Oh my gosh, you guys, everybody's talking. They found out about Blake, but he wasn't who knew I don't know who was spoiling of that <laughs> stuff, but wasn't any of us. 
I did an episode almost a year ago with Suri and Stephanie, and they were talking a little bit of their stories from Ponderosa after they got voted out of Heroes versus Villains. And something I thought was funny, it was those two, uh, Tom and Randy Bailey. That was like the, oh. I think they have smaller groups for when they do the all-star seasons. So it was yeah. those four and then Randy ended up getting sent home early. So then I think it just ended up being oh. Tom and those two. But they just thought it was so funny how they're traveling around. And it's like people are looking at them of like, who are like, what is this yeah, group of people? Why are they together? like? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I know. It's, it is kind of funny. And for us, for the most part, you know, we looked like we really could have all been friends traveling, maybe with Jim, our grandpa. Yeah. You guys were all like, yeah, you guys were all around the same age. It was you, Blake. Brandon, mm-hmm. Amy, um, I'm trying to think who. Morgan, Brianna. Morgan, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think who you did. Brian. Jim, Jim, Amy, yeah, Brian. That's it. That was everybody. Yeah, so Jim is just like the grandpa, and this is like a fun little family reunion of cousins and <laughs> friends. Yeah, it was great. You know, we were, you know, every season's very different. And so, um, I feel like we had a good, like, we were so sad when we saw Brandon getting, you know, when he showed up, we're like, oh my gosh. But we were happy in the sense, like, now we get to go on vacation with Brandon versus some of the other people that are out there. So that was the thing. It was like everybody that came out in the game were like, okay, this is a fun travel group. Because there are some seasons where one chaperone has had to take one person a different place because they're so difficult, you know? So we were good in the sense that we were all a group that got along and had had fun and so it was good okay that's good to know that's <laughs> but it sounds like you mentioned earlier you guys are all pretty much rooting for danny to win yeah I, everybody on well let's see everybody voted out for the most part i think everybody was rooting for danny yeah out of the pre-jury group so you guys like so when brandon goes out you're like okay we all want most of us want danny to win at that point or is it like we kind of want someone from that group to win and then did you not know like did you find out what because you guys are obviously not at the jury house of ponderosa with everyone because it's to make room for them so are you finding out like who is still remaining while you guys were no we know nothing so once they once they fly you out of there we didn't have any clue what was going on um, in the rest of the game and so it's one like you know i get voted out and then i know nothing and so every basically every three days someone gets voted out so you have dinner and then you just sit there and wait and you're like okay you know who's coming and then they come out and they're like tell us everything that's happened the last <laughs> three days so it was really fun to hear the backstories and you're like oh my gosh i can't like when we saw blake we were like how'd you get voted out because Nakum outnumbered you like that doesn't make sense (laughs) so it was just fun when you see everybody getting voted out and get to hear the story but no we didn't get a no until we got back into the states and then you know you're out there you don't have a pen and paper to write any contact information down but you gotta love brian because he teaches sat prep classes he has to take the sat every year and so he's just he's brilliant and he when we were on the show, I, I mean, he's amazing. So I don't know, but I don't know if he still can do this now, but he could tell you if you just threw out a name like Elizabeth, oh, she was voted out this number. She was the whatever person voted out a survivor. Like he could go through all 300 and tell you everybody before us in Guatemala who got voted out. So what Brian did is he, um, 
I remember him saying he got people's phone numbers in the game and just memorized them. So then afterwards we could all be in touch. Yeah. He's astonishing. (laughs) That's really, so then he like, he got all the phone numbers and this is like, I guess you have mobile phones at this point, but they're a little different. Yeah. No. So I think what it was is he called like, he called Danny maybe and caught like, got the this is what happened and stuff from them but so he was able to call people oh i see it was was great so i mean all of us obviously once we were um you know pre-jury we were able to exchange phone numbers but then he had memorized people that were in the game and so (laughs) yeah no thanks for thanks to brian he was the one that kept us in the loop on all this stuff so really cool okay i guess the last thing on the topic of survivor unless there's anything you want to bring up is i'd like to just know a little bit about the conditions and the crocodiles and was there anything that did not make the air that was interesting um as far as making the air i would say kind of the rafting thing was one of the more interesting ones that you know they decided to cut um time wise and things um like memory fades i'm like i'm trying to think i know there was so much other stuff where i'm like this wasn't on there but um let's see sorry what was the first part of the question now oh just yeah the the crocodiles were you guys like i mean i remember they showed it briefly on the show the guys you know deciding we're gonna get out of the boat and we're just gonna hang out here for a little bit and they end up getting back in the boat like and then i think i could be wrong i thought i had heard that eventually they just said you guys cannot go in the water like we can't you cannot risk it well yeah so yeah conditions that was the thing guatemala was brutal you know i feel like it was kind of like africa and then when they did um was it brazil the token chains or whatever those were kind of the ones that was just you know horribly horribly hot and um you know going on survivor you don't know what's you know, where you're going to be at first until you watch the finale of the season before you. So we were watching the Palau finale to try and like find out where we were going to go. And in my mind, I'm like, please don't let me be the first survivor Antarctica. I can't handle gold. Like, you know? <laughs> and so then when it was Guatemala, I thought that was great, but I didn't realize like I need water when it's hot out. Like I grew up on the river. And so it was so sad when we, we found out in Guatemala, like Burnett did this kind of pep talk beforehand and he's like, every body of water out there has crocodiles in it. You are not to get in any body of water because you will get, you know, eaten by a crocodile. That's basically what they said at the outset. And then they talked about the snakes that are out there in the jungles and different things like that. And never grab onto a tree in the jungle when you're falling because there's these spiked trees that can injure you, which is what fell on Blake. So it was pretty brutal and not being able to go in the water was awful. So they told us in advance, you know, no uncertain terms do not get in the water, but they're also not there to physically restrain you. And Survivor by nature, they pick half the group that are rule breakers or rule, you know, push the limits. So we're there one day and I was sitting on the dock with Cindy and Cindy was a, you know, a zookeeper. Um, And so we watch, I think it was like Judd, Brandon, probably Bobby John, I'm guessing, take the canoe. They're like, we're going to go out to the middle of the lake and we're going to just jump in really quick and then jump back out. Because I think maybe they thought like crocodiles only exist at the edges of the lake and that it's safer and stuff. So they went and did that. And I'm sitting there next to Cindy and Cindy's like, 
in her cute little accent, but she's like, oh man, she's like, they don't realize those crocodiles are just waiting under the surface and that's so dangerous. And I was like, if the zookeeper says not to go on the water with the crocodiles, I'm listening to the zookeeper, <laughs> you know? So right after that, normally in Survivor, they're really good. They don't, they pause the game basically when you're going to, to and from challenges and things and you're not allowed to talk. But the rest of the time you're really in the game, they don't do that. Well, they came to camp and they basically like paused the game, but they kept the cameras rolling and they brought out some crocodile expert who basically said, look, they're, and they filmed it. They're like, they're crocodiles in every body of water. If you get in there, you're taking your life into your own hands and read the riot act. And the attorney in me was like, they're filming all this so that if one of these idiots does it and their family tries to sue for wrongful death lawsuit, survivors be like, exhibit A, here's the video. Our expert warned you, this person knew and they still got in the water. I mean, absolutely, that's, that's why they did it. And then the other funny thing was, um, funny, not funny, is that where we were, um, you know, my, my team won getting to stay at the ruins. So we had the Mayan ruins right there. But we had to go all the way down to the lake, which was maybe like, I don't know, quarter of a mile, like little trail. And we'd have to take clay pots, get the water out of the lake, walk back up to camp. And then we had to boil our water for at least five minutes before it'd be drinkable, which is then boiling hot water. So then you have to wait to it for it to cool to like whatever temperature it is outside. And it would be covered in like ash. We'd strain it through Bobby John's shirt. So, I mean, it was those are the conditions you're in. Like you never got good water to drink. It was not fun. But anyway, we do that each morning. We go get water. So this expert tells us, he goes, and just so you know how crocodiles like to attack is they watch animals and they watch their watering habits as they come to watering holes and then they ambush them. And so he goes, so you guys are going to get your water every morning and the crocodiles are just watching you and knowing what you're doing. I was like, oh my gosh. And then he said, he goes, and crocodiles can outrun you at a short distance. And so he goes, you guys need to not always go at the same time. And I'm like, so now every time I was getting water, I'm like, where's the crocodile? <laughs> but he said, he goes, but they have short stumpy legs. So he's like, if you do get charged by a crocodile, he goes, run in a zigzag pattern because they can't change directions really fast. <laughs> so, so now I've, since that time, I've known what to do if there's a crocodile attack. But that's, I mean, it was the real deal out there. Like you had to be careful. I mean, some people weren't and they got lucky, but it was, um, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> and I'm just picturing like this guy talking to you guys and Cindy just like nodding her head being like, that's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Right. I tried to tell him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, we all did. Yeah, the women in our team were a little smarter about that. <laughs> well, Brooke, uh, we've alluded to it a little bit. You've made mention of your faith. Um, I would really love to hear about how Jesus Christ has changed your life and your your faith journey, so to speak, and how how it be how your relationship with Christ is something that became paramount to you in your life. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we're going way back. <laughs> um, so I always, um, you know, I grew up in a Christian household. You know, my you know, my parents were Christians, and my mom had been really since high school, college, I think. And so, you know, I was blessed with that. Um, but, you know, as a kid, it's kind of, for most kids, your faith at that time is whatever your parents' faith belief is, because that's all you know. Um, but my parents, uh, you know, always were like, this is something that is, to be your own. Like, you know, we're, 
you don't get baptized until it's your choice, until you're old enough to decide that that's your choice and things. And so I think it was, um, I will say when I was in junior high, it was when I, um, I was involved in a group um, on campus called Young Life. And one of my friend's moms ran it. And she was just the sweetest person, just cared about the kids. And really being involved in Young Life was when my faith finally became my own, where I was like, you know what, I, um, you know, I've, I know all the Bible stories, I've heard all this stuff, I know Jesus loves me, but it was one where I really saw like, no, this, you know, my faith in Christ, it's about how God loves us and cares for us and wants a relationship for us. And he loves everyone, Christian or not, you know, they're, we're all his children and stuff. And so that was when it really became my own faith from then on. Um, and yeah, I would say it's, you know, it's the biggest thing in my life. That's how I kind of, you know, view the world and how I make my decisions. And it's one to, um, especially in the career that I do, it, it's one where, you know, people are going through a lot of hurt. And sometimes when you're helping, it's like when you help a wounded animal, sometimes the animal bites you, even though you're trying to help. And it's sometimes like that with my clients, you know, they're so hurt and they're kind of lashing out at everybody because they're just angry it's what hap what's happened to them and of the world. And so it's one of those things where, um, thankfully, it was spoken into me early on um, by my mentor, professor at Pepperdine, and then the pastor at our church, just like, you know, statistically, like, the divorce rates 50% across the board, you know, 50% of marriages. And whether you go to church or not, that statistic remains the same. And he's like, people, they, you know, they said people need a good attorney, someone that's not going to try and make stuff more adversarial, but that's going to try and help people get through things as peacefully as possible. And so I feel like I really get to just love on people and care for them and tell them that like, they'll get through this and that there's, you know, there are better days ahead and the stuff that you've gone through doesn't define who you're going to be in the future. And every single person on earth, like you're going to do something bad at some point that's just, you know, poor decisions. You know, everybody makes mistakes, but we're more than the worst thing we've ever done. And so, you know, people going through divorce, they're sometimes facing those situations where they've just made some poor decisions, but that's not who they are as a person or who they can be. And so I feel like it's a really good, like, I'm blessed in the sense that my job really gets to be a ministry to people. Um, but it's also one at the same time too, where sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm just get so into it. There's so much going on where I feel like, Oh my gosh, I, you know, I've got to make these arguments. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And then I really realized I'm like, and I just pray about it. I'm like, okay, God, it's not me doing this. Like I need to do my best, but ultimately you're in charge and I can rest in that. And I know, and I'll tell my clients, like, if we do the right thing and if we're honest and straightforward and we fall, like you prevail, you know, you will prevail in the end and you will come out on top. And I've seen that time and time again. And so I feel like that's one of the things in my job is like, when you kind of are in the trenches, you really get to see like God working and God doing miracles. And so I've gotten to see some amazing things in my career, even though that it comes with a fair amount of stress too. So. Very cool. And I mean, uh, something else that I think people might not know about you is that your husband was a youth pastor for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband, um, when I met him, he was a youth pastor and he'd been a youth pastor. I think when all is said and done, he's been almost 20 years in youth ministry. And it was funny when I first met him, he was probably eight years into youth ministry. And he said, he goes, you know what? He goes, 
I, um, he goes, I've never wanted to be a head pastor. Cause I mean, there's a lot of people who kind of go into youth ministry, wanting it to be a stepping stone to be a pastor. That's what God's called them to do. But he's like, I don't want to be a head pastor. He's like, he's cute. He's like, I'm just not conventional enough <laughs> to be a head pastor. And, and plus he really loved youth. And he goes, you know, someone, um, you know, someone told him one time, two of the most crucial times in people's life, as far as developing who they are is like junior high because um, you're kind of coming into your own and getting to make your own decisions. And then college, that's when you're really first stepping out on your own away from your parents. And so he really felt called to do junior high ministry, um, which is not necessarily a ministry a lot of people want to go, you know, want to go into. And I remember when I first met him too, it was like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the pastor's wife. And, you know, I've got a junior high small group. And I remember the first time I went into the youth group room and you worked at a pretty, worked at a, worked at a pretty big church, Bayside Church um, in Granite Bay, California at the time. And, um, and I remember walking in like, oh my gosh, there's all these junior hires and I don't know anyone. And I felt like I was like back in junior high again. And I'm like, everybody's <laughs> awkward. And I have to try and like have conversations with these junior hires. And it was it's so awkward at first. And then you like, I, I was great. I got to be a small group leader and help out in that ministry. And there's so many like amazing kids. And I had girls that I had in junior high and then I moved on to them with high school and then college. And now they're like, grown up, getting married, you know, and we've still stayed in in touch. And so, so it was great. And we still go to the same church. It was just one of those things. Once, once we had kids and I was kind of working full time and the kids and I were on a Monday through Friday schedule, you know, my husband was like, it's just kind of time to step away for a bit and not be working weekends when the family's on an opposite schedule and stuff. And so he'll say to this day, you know, he goes, I really miss the students and my volunteers but he's like, but I don't miss the fact that like, now I get to be with my family. Like we get to go to church together on Sundays. Like I used to, to push the double stroller and have a kid and the baby Bjorn, like hauling everybody in church. So. It's just funny because how many pastor's wives are lawyers? I, that's the <laughs> old, you're the only one I can think of. Yes. And divorce attorneys at that. That was always a joke. I remember one time we told the amazing race, like, don't you want us on the amazing race? We've got a pastor and a divorce attorney. We're like, we keep each other in business. He marries them. I divorce. All all the jokes and things. So no, it it is kind of an interesting dynamic. Um, The way he proposed to me was very sweet. And if you know, KJ, this is not him at all but he made a scrapbook with like that he read to me and it was like it was the story of like our relationship which was all of three months from meeting to getting engaged um but one of the things in there as he was writing this story he's like and brooke was a lawyer so she knew she needed to marry a pastor if she were ever to get into heaven (laughs) so you had to throw in a little lawyer joke there but which by the way that's not what we actually believe if you're listening to this podcast it's it's a joke not not biblical (laughs) it's a joke oh that's so funny how is how has jesus christ transformed your life um it's funny because I haven't known, you know, some people have this totally different life and then, you know, it's like a lightning bolt, like they accept Jesus and it's a total transformation. So it's one where, you know, I've always grown up in the faith and surrounded by faith, but I will say like, the more I've gone out in the world and seen, you know, the pain and the hurt and things like that, I think the thing that's most important to me about my faith is that like, I can rest, you know, 
in peace in my relationship with Christ and know that he is in charge and he has, you know, a plan for my life and it's the best thing for me. And that I, so I don't have to live in fear and I don't, um, I think the biggest thing for me in my relationship with Christ is just having that peace and joy that transcends anything else that like, even when you have those bad days or even when you know that like, you've just had some really awful, like, you know, we've all gone through a series of like, you know, like my father died suddenly when I was 11 years old. And I think that was one of the big things too, where I look back and go, you know, that was one of the worst things that it hands down to happen in my life was to have him suddenly pass away. My mom's left alone with three kids and a farm to run. And she had to pick up the pieces of her life and like suddenly become a farmer and do all this stuff. But God was faithful and took what was a really awful thing. And there was a lot of beauty and amazing stuff that came out of that. You know, and a year later, my mom met my stepdad, who I, I called dad. I've called since then. And I can't, it's one of those things like, you know, I miss my dad that passed away, but I can't imagine my life without, you know, my stepdad, dad in my life. So that's the thing is I know um, no matter what happens, you know, God is faithful and, um, yeah. So that's one of the most important things I would say. Hmm. That's awesome. I mean, that's, it's a really powerful story. And, um, I feel like, I mean, we're running out of time. We're gonna have to go deeper into all this another yes, time. Yes, another time <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, do you have any, any other words of encouragement or, you know, if there's anyone who's listening to this and, they're hearing a little bit of your story and it's resonating with them. And they either, maybe they've been away from church. They grew up going to church similar to you did. Maybe they never went to church, but they're hearing what you're saying and it, it's striking an, a chord with them. It's making them, there's creating some kind of stirring. What kind of it, what kind of words of wisdom or what would you say to those people who are listening? Yeah. And what I would say is I think the, the way God created us too, there's, an innate desire in, a, in us to have a relationship with Christ. And that there's kind of this hole in each of our hearts that can only be filled by a relationship with him. And you see in this world, everyone trying to fill that hole with different things. You know, like, hey, the party lifestyle, hey, having a lot of material possessions, you know, having a lot of friends, being famous, drinking, drugs. I mean, you name it. Um, everyone's trying to fill that hole. and. I think for people, you'll realize like when you're trying to fill that hole with worldly things, you'll come up short at the end of the day, a hundred percent of the time, like, you know, not sometimes in the instant moment and sometimes it takes a while, but those things will fail you. And the only thing that will eternally satisfy you is Christ. And so I think it's one of those things, like if you're feeling that, if you're feeling lonely, feeling like, Hey, I just can't make sense of this life. And I don't, you know, I don't understand. Or I don't understand how I fit in. Um, you know, if you have any other Christians in your life, talk to them, um, you know, check out a church. You know, there's so many great um, sermons online, things like that. I mean, it's our church, Bayside Church in Granite Bay. They do a daily devotional. It's a great text. You can get it's two or three minutes, you know, and I just, I wake up in the morning and, hit play. And it's a great way to start my day with something positive. But I think it's one of those things that like, you'll realize if you really um, read the Bible and just look at its words and not how some people misinterpret or twist things or, you know, every follower of Christ is imperfect. We're all sinners. So it shouldn't be a reflection of who Christ 
is, you know, but if you really read the Bible and look at what it's about and love and things like that, you'll realize like that's the ultimate thing that will, you know, bring peace and joy in your life. Amen. Amen. Spot on. So, you know, what's funny is you mentioned the, the hole in our hearts. And that was something I just spoke about with Manny Randala, baseball writer. Um, oh yeah. People who are interested, go check that out. He's a baseball writer who went from being an atheist to a born again Christian. So that's a real story of like, my life was this. And then it went from to this, like totally 180, total 180. Um, but I was just something I was thinking about of like, what is something that people are really placing in their hearts where is the place that God should be? And one of them, I think like there's a couple different ways to think about it. Number one is like, there's a lot of obvious things such as politics or um, false gods or whatever it is. You, you, we all have like, like America has an idolatry problem right now, whether it be celebrities, politicians, whatever people that they might not say that they're, they're not praying to, but they're elevating, they're putting their hope in, they're spending all their time in. One thing I was thinking about though, as you're saying that is kind of like some of the secondary things of like, how are you spending your time? One of the things I was thinking about is like TV right now. I feel like there's an expect an expectation of like, tell me about all the shows you're watching and oh you're not watching this show oh you gotta watch this show and it's like i'm just like i don't have to watch tv like i mean i'll watch survivor yes i'll watch the old shows and whatever i get enjoyment out of that but like we don't need tv it's such a non-essential thing and i just feel like the way that when i hear people talk and it's just funny because we're talking about a tv show for an hour and a half so hypocrisy critical hypo- yeah yeah i just like that's something i've kind of noticed of terms of like man like all these shows and i'm just like we don't have to watch shows it'd be better if i use that time to exercise <laughs> yeah no it is yeah i find it i was talking with some of my girlfriends about this the other day too how it's so like with my life and how busy it is. It's so easy at the end of the day to be like, I need to check out of everything. I'm just going to turn on a show. But you realize like there's a lot of stuff you miss out on when you're spending your life watching everybody everybody else's lives and things like that. Um, And it's funny because we just had this conversation with our kids about how, um, you know, whatever you spend, I, it's funny, Dean, um, Ken Starr used to be the dean of the law school um, when I was at law school. And I remember he said one time, one of our classes, you know, whatever you spend most of your time doing, whatever you spend most of your time thinking about, and whatever you spend most of your money on, that's your God. Because you think about it, God, whatever your God is, that should be your focus and what you're, you know, what you're putting everything into. And so, I think even most Christians, if I look, what do I spend most of my time on? What do I spend most of my time doing? What do I spend most of my money on? Sadly, it is not God. And so that's one of the things where like, you kind of want to evaluate that. Like, what am I putting first in my life? What's most important? And yeah, yeah t- TV, media fills a lot of that. TikTok videos. Ugh. So many people spend so much. I do not have TikTok. No. <laughs> so many people spend so much time on that stuff. And it and it sucks you in. It, like you start to look at a couple of things and then two hours later. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Brooke, I, we're going to wrap things up here in a second. You mentioned law school, though. So I had to ask Pepperdine. You were attending Pepperdine when they were creating one of the greatest Nickelodeon shows of all time. 
Zoe 101 shot on the campus of Pepperdine. Pepperdine. Do you remember that? Where was that going on when you were there? You know what's funny? I never I saw a lot of filming when I lived in Malibu and stuff. I never saw it actually filming there, but I, I was aware of it at the time. So yeah. There's so much it's funny being coming from Oregon, you just don't realize how everything is like shot on in Malibu or, you know, things filmed in Santa Monica. Now when we watch TV, there was just something on what were you watching the other night? And I told my kids, I go, Oh, that's Zuma Beach in Malibu. They use that all the time for stuff. It was like some sci-fi one. And I'm like, nope, Malibu. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Zoe 101 was one of the shows of my childhood. And it was shot on the campus of Pepperdine. And so a lot of kids grew up wanting to go to boarding school, not knowing that... That it was Pepperdine. (laughs) That was Pepperdine. And like they were living what looks like a very fun on-campus life at Pepperdine. But, oh, my goodness, it's funny because I think all these kids, my millennial generation, thought that law or sorry, not law school, boarding school boarding. would be, like, wonderful. And then they're like, uh, ah, it's not quite what I had expected it to be. <laughs> yeah, it's a bait and switch. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, okay, last thing here, Brooke, I've got a picture this is a picture of us hanging out. I want you to tell the story. Yes. So it's funny because we'd only connected, I mean, I think a few weeks prior to that. Um, um, maybe a couple months. Maybe a month. I mean, yeah, it might have been a long It was like we, we connected maybe in like January or February this year. Okay. Yeah. And so um, we were going on a trip for spring break to Florida and I hadn't even thought about the airports that we were flying through where we had layovers. And it had been such a chaotic week, like to work double time to get ready to go on vacation. And so I remember you had been t- texting me. You've been at spring training for a few, a couple weeks by then. Long time, yeah. I was going to say you were out there for a long time. So you kept talking about, you know, spring training, Arizona, blah, blah, blah. And so then we like literally we're getting on the plane in Sacramento to fly out. And I was just like, hey, random, we're going to be at the airport in Phoenix, just thinking to be like, haha, we're in the same city at the same time. And you're like, do you want me to come to the airport? And I was like, really? (laughs) Just free? And so you're awesome. And and we had a significant, I think it was like a three-hour layover. And it's funny because my husband stresses out when we travel, where he's like, we got to be early to the flight. Like, don't you dare leave security. I'm like... I'm a little more, I'm like, it's fine. It'll all work out. It's all good. And so, so he was too, he's like, I'm going to stay behind security and take the other two kids. But my um, oldest Harper, who's 13, she's like, I want to come along. This sounds great. And so we went out of security and we met you and got to hang out and had a great time. And you made my 13 year old's day or week even um, by because you're friends with Kevin Quinn, the actor, and he um, she got to film a video for him um, saying hi. And oh, my gosh, she just kept talking about that and then eventually got an autograph from him. So that was that was a great like it had been a stressful week leading up to vacation. And I feel like that was the moment it switched where I was like, OK, I've shut out work. I don't even remember about it. Like I'm having a great time. And so that was a really fun way to start things off. So thank you. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Yeah, I just like I, I hopped in an Uber because I was five minutes from the airport. So I just hopped in the Uber and we hung out for about an hour and a half or so. And it's funny because I had the same uh I had the same feeling of like after spending time with you guys, like it filled my cup in a lot of ways where I had been really tired out because spring training was wrapping up and I was 
you know, running. I was very fatigued and just stressing out about a lot of other things. And it was just like therapeutic for, for both you and me. And then just yeah. apparently very joyful time for Harper. No stress for her. <laughs> yes. She says hi and she wants you to visit again, visit sometimes. So. Yes. I'm down. <laughs> Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much, Jack. It's been a great, great show. Great fun. Thanks for coming on, Brooke. Is there anything uh, that you would like to uh, promote? I mean, you've got a law, you practice law. So if anyone needs a lawyer or I don't know yes. if there's anything else you might want to tell people to check out, go ahead and uh, give a nice little plug. Yes. Um, yeah, Maris Law, if anyone's looking for a lawyer in, in Northern California area, although we do cases all over California. So um, although currently we are very swamped, blessed not to have to be checking out, looking for business or anything like that. But, um, you know, no, I mean, I think I already said, like, the thing I'd like to promote is Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, it uh, sounds cheesy, but honestly, I mean, it's one of those things where you don't, you won't understand until you know you've got a relationship with Christ but it's you know it, it's the most amazing amazing thing so amen well thank you so much brooke yeah thank you jack wow how about that brooke struck stevens i'm so glad we got to have her on i mean that was really cool because i think a lot of you guys if you're a survivor fan which obviously most of you are if you listen to that whole conversation uh, but she's really not someone that I think many people know a whole lot about or have heard a whole lot from. But she's someone that, I'm, as we mentioned, I connected with her earlier this year. And she's just an outstanding person, uh, a true follower of Jesus Christ and just a really remarkable human being. Uh, someone that I've gotten to become very close with, her and her family. Um, and hopefully I do get to visit them sometime soon. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, as I mentioned like I said, this was a really fun episode to put out. It was a little long. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that ride. Uh, lots of interesting survivor talk in there. Um, lots of, it was fun talking about the traders a little bit. And we're actually going to have a guest from the traders on this podcast pretty soon. His name is Michael Davidson. Uh, and he's actually a huge survivor fan. So we're going to be speaking with him sometime pretty soon. I know that this podcast has a kind of an interesting mix of followers. Some people are big sports fans. Some are big reality fans. Some are only fans of one of those two things. So I'm hoping to try to put out a good amount of content in both areas. So we'll, we'll speak with Michael soon. We'll probably have some, I'm certain we'll have some more survivor and reality TV contestants coming on this show throughout the summer. And then we're going to have a lot of, uh, keep having a lot of baseball content the season's going on right now we just put out a fun episode with jim callis who's the go-to guy as it relates to the mlb draft and uh prospects top 100 prospects list he's the guy who's making most of those decisions on mlb.com uh we're gonna have like i said lots more great content coming soon so my only request if you guys like this episode is that you subscribe because right now we're struggling on Facebook for whatever reason. My account is not showing up in people's feeds and that's where most of our traffic comes from. So please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is that you're listening to the show, wherever you want to watch the show, turn on notifications 
and share this show with people if you enjoy it. We're going to have a lot more great stuff coming up soon. You guys, oh, and by the way, you can follow me at Jack Vita Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like I said, we're going to have a lot more great stuff coming out soon. So until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>